This ain't your father's podcast. Oh, wait. Yeah, it is. You're listening to Stocks and Sandals. Where steaks and stocks get seared to perfection. So lace up the grass-stained New Balances, crack open an ice-cold brewski, and fire up that grill. What's on the menu? Games, baby. Games, baby. All right, guys. Welcome back to the Stocks and Sandals podcast. We got PB with us again. Uh, if you guys missed our first episode with PB, definitely go back and watch it. We learn all about him and his uh, just like amazing story of being a 16-year-old trading phenom, and you know how how cool that is, and and kind of what that looks like for him. We're gonna talk a little bit more practical stuff in this episode and get a little bit more into the nitty-gritty with PB and and uh, talk more about his strategy and also just like how he was able to pull off getting his parents let him to be a you know letting him be a full-time trader and in, in high school and all that kind of fun stuff. So. Uh, welcome back, sir. Sure. Thank Thanks you. For coming. I'm happy to be here again. I'm super excited to get into it. Yeah, for sure. So uh, I'm just going to jump right in. Um, and I want to know, like, the question that most people are probably wondering, especially in our following, which is a bunch of dads, right, is how did you talk your parents into this? What did that conversation even look like? Like, how did you first approach them? My parents have been super supportive throughout the whole journey. So as I said in the last episode, kind of that one night where I stayed up like literally all night watching YouTube videos and going super, super deep into that whole aspect. My parents were up by the time I was still up watching YouTube videos. I didn't sleep that night. So when they came back, I actually, the moment I asked them, they were maybe like shocked for a little bit. Like, you know, that's kind of random. Why? But then they were supportive. You know, my dad hooked me up with this friend that trades, and he told me down on Twitter, and I started following him. And they've been supportive throughout the whole journey. But as far as taking the next step into like the business aspect, and this summer talking to them about potentially dropping out or having a deal with my school, that's where it got tough. And as a kid with success at a young age, you have to have a lot of more mature talks that parents usually don't have with their kids until they're a little older. So I kind of really, really had to, you know, talk to them. And they basically told me, like, if you truly want to take this route, there's kind of two ways you have to go. You can either be PB investing or you can be the other kid. But in the meantime, it's really, really hard to mix them both together because what's going to happen is it's kind of going to create a – it's going to create, like, a denial of um, – of, of what raves basically it's going to create a denial so um i had a really really deep talk with them about that and after we kind of had that talk i went to my school and i really really impressed my parents because my parents basically said okay it's gonna be up to you you create your own presentation you convince your school how to make them a deal for you to trade in class and if you can do that then you're good to go and that's kind of what I did. And from then, you know, it's been very, very easy from then. But honestly, I'm very, very grateful that I have super supportive parents throughout this whole journey. But one time, I actually, a kid DM'd me. is like, yo, bro, my parents are really going crazy. Can you please, please call them or something for me? And I actually hopped on a call with the kid and convinced them to let him trade. So that's like a cool little story. But yeah, they've been super supportive. I'm super lucky to have good parents. Yeah, that's really cool. Like... There was never a time when they were like, oh, I just don't get it, or like, you know, you're going to fail, or anything like that. They were like solid. Or and like, supportive. this is gambling, or. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like they, the typical. Like, like I'm afraid you're going to lose all your to... money or our exactly. money type thing, you know? 
yeah so there was times where not okay the gambling part a little bit but there was times where like it got to a point where they saw me really really down like i was really really sad like i worked so so hard and i blew the account and they said we don't want to see you like this you know we cannot see you like this anymore and i told them that i'll be like this literally like forever if i give up on my dreams and i kind of convinced them by saying look this is my dream this is my passion you guys i need you guys to help to let me you know pursue my dreams and to let me take that full commitment and there's gonna be days where i'm like this but i truly 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 have to keep and stick to it and that's kind of what led them going through it and especially like the hate affects them more than it affects me because they see their child you know sending all these hate comments online like there was in the beginning they would respond to them and it was just like bad I said you know i just stop doing that and stuff and now i make them like not even look at my comments because you know like if i i view it from my perspective if I was a parent and I saw my kid getting all hated on and like getting all these hate comments, I mean, it would affect me. It would. It really, really would. Would, mm. you, would it affect you? Uh, yeah, for sure. Like, yeah, I, I, I try. I would try and fight people. I'm sure. I'm, sure. <laughs> I'm very protective. But I'm telling you too that that doesn't stop when you get older because my mom. I'm 33 years old. And my mom still like jumps on and watches our stuff on socials. <laughs> Anytime, like, somebody's hating or whatever, she, like, tries to go mama bear and wants to comment back. I'm like, just let it go. Yeah. I don't even, she's like, how do you deal with this? I'm like, I just don't even pay attention to it anymore, you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. So, so, good luck with that, getting getting that to go away, you know, as you get older, because they're probably always going to be like that, because that's just what parents do, and I get it. I mean, that's that's a good thing, though, you know, they're protective. Yeah, it means they love you, and they want to, they want what's best for you. Exactly. Yeah, so like you uh you talk about, you know, like being down and and how this is like a lot on you, you know, me- emotionally and and mentally and all that kind of stuff, right? But I I, I kind of want to talk about like the practical side of this a little bit more because like you're trading in high school, right? So like which is basically a full-time job. I mean, you're supposed to be at school a certain time, you're supposed to be there all day and attentive, do your work, and then you leave later right and usually that's like when the market opens to when the market closes you know you're trading so i know you you talked about it in our last episode about how you kind of you know got your school to agree to let you trade you know like for a certain part of that time but like what about the rest of your life like how do you manage all of your stuff going on because like i remember being a, a teenager and like you know, you, you want to have friends, you got to do your homework, you got to study for tests, you got to like, maybe, I don't know if you play any sports or like, whatever it looks like, like, how do you manage all of that and still master your craft? Time management is key there. Honestly, time management is the biggest thing for me. And I realized that if I want to be at the top, I have to stop being consumer and instead become a producer. So what I did is I stopped consuming that garbage and I started producing value that's going to help people. And through kind of becoming a producer rather than a consumer, I realized that I have to start managing my time. If you're a kid out there watching this video, I want you to go on your phone and pull up your TikTok or your Snapchat. See how many hours you're spending every single day scrolling your life away. You say, oh, I don't have time. Oh, I don't have this. I promise you, you have time. If you probably have at least two, three hours, and actually, it's sad, but the average kid spends six hours a day scrolling on TikTok. 
if you can put half of those hours, even two of those hours to learning a valuable skill, you will get so much farther. So what I truly did is I doubled down what I'm setting my time on and realized time is the most valuable thing I have right now. So I need to use it to my advantage. So now every single time I have, like I'm truly using it. I'm, I, this is my schedule on a day-to-day basis. I wake up, I go to school, I trade in school, I get done with school, I go home, usually trade the power hour or I'll watch the market power hour, and then I'll usually hop on a call or a few business calls, and then I'll do a class with the Discord, and then I'll go to the gym, and then I'll go and make content, and then I'll go manage other things that always end up coming up, you know, with business and stuff like that. So it truly never stops. And then on top of that, you have midterms, you have homework, you have studying it. It's truly all about time management and knowing that you need to kind of build a schedule around everything that you're doing and make sure you're spending the right amount of time doing the right things instead of wasting your life, throwing your life away on garbage. And sometimes I even, sometimes even every day, like I'll get stuck on that. Like, yo, what am I doing? Like, well, I got to stop this. I don't even remember the last thing I watched, the last three sc- things I scrolled. It was just for the dopamine in my head. And that's kind of what keeps you intact with it is they kind of, they've, Use your trigger points as an addiction, which is really, really sad. Like, think about it. A phone has become part of the human body. It really, really has. Like, truly, Apple is like a human need now. So we kind of have to use this to our advantage and not let it take over. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I don't think that's point. a bad thing. It's yeah. opened tons of opportunity, but you just have to use it towards the right things. Just like if that, any opportunity, you know? It's funny that you say that because... Even for myself, like, and I guarantee for you too, it's like, we're influencers, we're in this space, all our business is online, Yeah. right? However, I don't remember the last time I've ever scrolled on TikTok, and the only times I ever use Instagram is just to see what all my friends in terms of that are in this space, like you, like Jada, and just to drop a couple names, just to see what you guys are up to, how you guys did today in today's trading. But in terms of like, oh, what did my high school friends do? Let me see if anyone's drinking today. I don't remember a single time I've ever looked and try to actively go search those kind of things or even on TikTok where I'm just scrolling endlessly, uh, even just at night. Like for me, it's like everything is regiment. Everything is scheduled. Everything is routine. To me, that's not in my routine. That's so far away that for me, it's odd to actually start scrolling. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm guilty of probably scrolling more than I should. And you know, we, I've talked about in the first our first episode how... Yeah, I've claimed that I don't have time to learn how to trade, you know, because I've been running this business and, you know, I'm a dad of two and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, that's probably BS when, you know, when I really sit down and think about it, because there are times that I sit and just mindlessly scroll, which to me, like I find some like de-stressing, you know, value to that. But also, you know, it adds stress to my life, too, because then I get behind on something else or um, you know, so it's probably, you know, y'all are convicting me a little bit here on why I haven't taken the time to actually learn how to trade when, you know, I'm, because I'm running the business, right? Well, I'm going to go look at my time. Thanks, PB, and make sure that I'm not, you know, wasting time. It's a good time. thing that my mastermind is dropping and you're going to be taking it alongside everyone <laughs> yeah, else. Yeah, yep, exactly. Well, I'll be a real life success story, but, um, <laughs> no, that's, that's cool, man. I mean, it's again, like it, you, you continue to just kind of impressed me with like your wisdom for your especially for your age i hate to say for your age because it sounds like it's demeaning really for anybody i mean if i was talking to somebody that was my age you'd still be spitting you know like facts right but it's yeah. just to me it's more impressive because it's some coming from somebody who hasn't lived a ton of life yet right 
um, or from a year's perspective, you've lived a ton of life in different ways, but really, really, really interesting stuff. Um, yeah, and it's going to keep growing, honestly. And yeah. for everybody out there who says they don't have time, even if you're not a kid, kind of speaking for the other people that are, you know, nine to fivers and stuff like that, the best job ever that you could have that you could be trading as well is any job, any nine to five job. If you work a nine to five, you guys literally have 129 days out of the year that you're free. You work for eight hours, and how about the other 16 hours of your day? You have 129 days out of the year after you do the calculations. So stop wasting your time. Mm -hmm. So let's say, all right, what do you say to somebody who does work nine to five, right? Which market opens at 9.30 Eastern, ends at, you know, 4.30 Eastern. What does that look like? You know, how do you sacrifice or potentially put yourself at risk of like losing your job if you're doing stuff you know that you shouldn't be doing while you're working you know what is it just like you know go poop and you know make some bank while you fill the tank or what is it like find ways around it trade futures Mm -hmm. you can trade futures at night once you get home from your job crypto yeah crypto anything that's 24 hours and once you kind of master that then if you're making enough money where you can kind of find another job that's going to fulfill it and you guys, pay attention to the words I'm using. Find another job. I don't think you should ever rely on trading as your only income source, and I'm a big believer on that because what's going to happen is it's going to put a lot of emotional and um, pressure on you. And when you have pressure on you and trading, it's really, really bad because if you're trading to kind of pay the bills, you're putting too much pressure on you. But if you have another income source that's paying the bills and you're trading just to make some extra money, then you're trading with money that you could afford to lose, and therefore you have less emotions attached to the trade, which is going to allow your trading to be much better. Yeah, yeah that's I think a good that's point. an interesting take. I kind of take the opposite approach, so I'm not trying to knock yours down or anything like yeah. that. But for me, it's kind of like no pressure, no diamonds. So for me, I had to push myself against the wall because I didn't want a secondary source where it's like, uh, you know what, I need a safety net where I can always lean back on this. For me, it's always like, head first, let me drive through this wall because I'm going to succeed. There is no room for failure for me. So it's like, I understand that point of view and everyone needs that security, right? I always talk about emergency funds. We talked about it in the last episode. And uh, I definitely agree with you and I disagree in terms of like, I think it is subjective per person. Uh, For me personally, it's always just been head first, head strong. How can I succeed? There is no room for failure in this space. There is no room for fear in this space so it's like i do get it though i, definitely I agree understand. it is in a point and obviously like with your whole thing like no risk no rari stuff like that yeah but for me in my trading i've always made failure non-option but making failure non-option has been a lot easier for me once i had other income sources coming in once i had money from other things coming in it took less pressure off of me it's when i perform better but obviously some people perform better under pressure and some people perform worse under pressure. I'd say I'm right. kind of a little both of a person, but I think trading's a lot easier to scale, or at least for me, when I had less pressure. Yeah, it's it's, right. it's it's per person for sure. Again, Ace is a, you know, we've talked about this in previous episodes. Ace is kind of a, a unique entity where he's <laughs> like, you know, he's just, I don't, know, I don't even know how to explain it. He's just like a, I don't know. How would you explain? <laughs> I don't even know how to explain it. You're just kind of like a, I don't know, head first, just run I'm a through. unique case. Yeah. <laughs> so I wouldn't, you know, like our, all of our listeners necessarily, you know, may 
reflect more with PB's take right. where it's like, you know, there's there's value to depressurizing the situation a little bit, you know? I think the main thing where PB's trying to get to, and this is where I do agree, is the hardest part about trading is always going to be your psychology, right? So what's going to alleviate that pressure in terms of your psychology so that those emotions are not inside of your trading, right? Because the biggest stresses on people is financial. So if you do have those other sources of income, then a thousand percent, it's going to alleviate a lot of that pressure, making trading easier. That way you're not solely focused on shit. I need to win this trade. It's more like, how can I analyze this trade appropriately to make sure that I am using all my conviction possible, all my confluence as possible to make this trade as successful as possible, as opposed to, oh shit, I need to make money right now. Right. Yeah. As soon as you try to tie in money, as opposed to your actual analysis, that's where you're going to get burned. So that's where I definitely agree with you. 1,000%. I think that's where I was trying to get to as well. Yeah. Right. So tell us a little bit about your strategy. I want to know a little bit about your strategy and how you built, you know, your own trading plan and, and kind of, you know, what that looked like for you starting again as a, you know, 13-year-old, like that's just learning on their own. Like what would be some words of wisdom that you'd give, you know, a new trader that's trying to build their own strategy? So I kind of take a different approach to trading as everybody else. Everyone else likes to buy low and sell high. I like to buy high and sell higher. And I feel like I have more confidence and conviction in my trades when I do that. So basically my strategy revolves around break of structures and retest. I never buy the breakout. I never trade the breakdown, but I am a big believer in buying the retest. And that allows me to have a higher edge and a lower risk and higher reward. Because think about it. I trade setups, so if the market's going up, I wait for a break of structure to the upside, then I play the retest. So every single morning, I mark my pre-market highs, my pre-market lows, and then I wait for the stock to either break above the pre-market high and get a retest of it, lined up with VWAP. VWAP's the volume-weighted average price, so it's basically the average trading price of the stock every single day, and VWAP is probably the biggest part of my strategy. I truly love that indicator, and it's helped me so much. So I use the VWAP revolving around the break of structures price action, and I trade those retests to the upside and retest the downside. And just for me personally, if I can catch those break of structure trades, it pays a lot more than just scalping in between the chop. But you say, may say, PB, how do you find those every single day though? There's days I don't trade. I mean, there truly is days I don't trade. And there's days where I find two or three trades. But what I do is I don't just trade the indexes. I may some days, but... I have a list of like 20 stocks, all these individual names like Apple, Tesla, Meta, um, NVIDIA, AMD, Netflix, stocks like that. And every single morning I check, I see, okay, what's up the most and what's down the most? Okay, Tesla's up 3%. Well, the market is red 1%. If the market starts to bounce, then Tesla's probably going to keep going up. But the market's going down right now and Tesla's going up. So the highest reward play I have right now is taking this Tesla long and any dip that I can get. But I don't just buy a dip blindly. I buy the dip to the retest. I buy the dip to the key level. I buy the dip to the, the psychological level. So my strategy is a lot of kind of trading those breakouts and breakdowns and break of structures on the retest of key levels, VWAP, psychological levels, and I'll have a very tight stop loss under my level. So my entry is like here. My stop loss is like right under it if I get a five minute close and my take profit will be like up here or something because I let my runners run. If I'm trading a breakout or a breakdown, a dip is just going to be part of the stair step up. Mm. 
So in terms of like scaling or trimming. I don't know what any of those words meant. So Dave's going to have a lot of work putting up those definitions on the screen. But I'll let Ace talk to that because Ace knows what you said. I think it's very interesting in terms of your strategy. It's a lot of the things that you'll hear uh, across trading on the board, right? So it's going to be a lot of similar things. So in terms of like the trend is your friend, don't fight uh, the actual trend itself. So it's funny that you actually go for those continuations and those rallies, or if it's dropping, then you're going with those drops and you're always moving with the actual play itself. Because I feel like people are always trying to time the top perfectly. They're no. always trying to time the bottom perfectly. And that's how they get burnt. So having a simple strategy in terms of like, yeah, I'm going to be looking at my market structure, looking for a retest and going for a continuation in the exact same momentum that it's already going. Kudos to you, because a lot of people... They are not willing to do that because they want to see how can I squeeze the most out of this dollar out of this play. Let me look for this reversal. One thousand. That's not what you're doing. No, no, no. I mean, honestly, think about it. Every single day, I feel like people are trying to time the bottom and the top, and I think trying to time the bottom and the top is the worst thing you can do because what's going to happen is, yo, there's so much money to be made in the stock market. You don't need to time the bottom and the so top. Much you just money. need to catch a little. You just need to catch these little chunks. These little chunks of the move are going to pay so much. And do you have a better chance of catching a little chunk of the move playing the trend or catching a little chunk of the move trying to guess when it's going to go down or up? For me personally, right. I don't like to run in front of moving trains. I'm going to ride the train. So, Right. And or, what would you say is your yeah. RR in terms of those cases when you're looking for those retests and those <laughs> continuation moves? Um, One to three. Three, probably if I hold my runners. I usually have around 15% stop. I take my first scales at around 20, 25%. And then I um, kind of let my runners run with that. And I move my stops up based off of the psychological levels. So, you know, I, I move it up with VWAP, the 90 in May, stuff like that. Sometimes I put a trailing stop in. But um, something I actually have to work on, though, is holding my runners a little longer. Like, I feel like I am selling most of my plays like 50, 60% when they'll end up going like 100, 130, 150%. And I just don't have the balls to hold them sometimes. Right. So I always right. think, like, personally for myself, I'll do the exact same thing, but it is part of my strategy to do so, right? If it's hitting, let's just say, your first PT. That's already part of your price target. You want to make sure that you are securing that larger chunk, knowing that it did reach your extension. And if it does have room to follow, then that's what those runners are for, right? Say if you have another 50% of position still in that plate, that's still going to squeeze you a lot of money with a continuation move, but you're making sure that you're securing that big chunk of it. So, I mean, it all depends per person. Personally, for myself, I do like securing uh, that 50, maybe even 75% at that first PT, and then just letting the the rest run in terms of what is the most R to R I can grab out of this. Yeah, for sure. That's something that I um, try and do, but I definitely feel like I struggle a little bit with. Like sometimes there'll be a stock, and it's literally like bull flag after bull flag after bull flag, and I'll just sell because I want to get out. But really, like there's no reason for me to sell. But I am a big believer in like yo, know, the less time you could spend in front of the screens is better. You know, it's better for me to take one to two trades and get on with my day go do something else because think about it obviously i'm 16 years old i've never been in the casino or anything but it's a common thing it's obviously it's common sense that the longer time you stay in the casino the more you're gonna lose but it's a proven fact that 90 percent of people that go to the casino are up before they're down so with trading 
if you can get out of the market after you have one, two green trades, or even a green trade and a run trade, as long as your R to R is high, you should get out. Spend as less time actively trading, but spend a lot of time watching the market. I think screen time is really, really important, and screen time kind of allowed me to recognize patterns before they happened, which was a big part of my trading. I spent thousands of hours in front of the screens not trading. So how often are you in and out of a trade? Like, How long is your actual trading day? where you're in and out of the market? I'm usually never in a trade more than like 20, 30 minutes. But as far as like my trading day, it's usually done by 11, 11.30. And sometimes right. I do take higher time frame swings, which I've actually been really, really good at. Like IWM is one of my most profitable tickers to date, and I have just been smacking that thing, dude. Like every single time. And it's daily bull flags, daily setting triangles, smacking it left, right, left, right, left, right. And that's because I spent so much time watching it that I kind of learned how the daily um, candles and patterns work that I've been taking like five day out contracts and just swinging them one to two nights. And obviously a little lower sizing, but a little higher risk and higher reward because overnight you can get paid. Right. And because VWAP is uh, one of the biggest indicators that you do use, what time do you actually start trading knowing that it does reset or are you using an anchored VWAP in most cases? I don't use anchored VWAP. I have it on my TrendSpider, but I don't really use it. I start trading at around 10 a.m. So I kind of okay. wait for that little 10 a.m. news to get out the way. Sometimes though, I do take trades off the open. Like if I'm not at school sometimes, like on a Friday, I'll take like a little stab at something off the open and look strong pre-market. Or like if something, you ever see like, AMD always does this. AMD off the open has crazy candles to the upside, and then I'll get a little retest down, and then it'll go right back up. So I kind of, right. off the open, I'll look for those names of strength and take it. But I don't like holding into news. So like 10 a.m., there's usually um, Michigan consumer data every Friday. So I'll, or something like that, I don't even know. So um, I'll try not to hold it into it because at that point, you're flipping a coin, and it's usually not going to go your way. Same thing with earnings, no earnings, none of that stuff. I'll trade the earnings IV flush after, the day after, but I'll never trade the, um, the you know, buying contracts into earnings or stuff like that because IV comes into play and 99% of times you're going to get killed. Right. Do you ever sell contracts? No, I don't. Papers was telling okay. me about it, though. He said you should start doing right. it. Do you? Yep. Uh, I do. Uh, personally, right now, not at this given time. I think that I personally work with the actual market structures. Um, so like when we're looking at market cycles and there's a time and place for everything. Personally, for myself, I noticed that naked calls and puts right now is just the way to go. Um, so that's just me personally. But yeah, I, I definitely do sell contracts as well. So what kind of contracts do you sell? Like what's the setup you're looking for to sell contracts? Ooh, we're, well... If anyone wants to know, we're doing a mastermind real soon. <laughs> so we're going to be showing uh, everything from A to Z in terms of what I do, even per market cycle. So how I'm actually going to be trading right now versus how I did trade, let's say, even during COVID, right? Or how I traded uh, during the whole Trump um, fiasco where Powell was sending off his printers and whatnot. So I think there's a time and place for everything. But yeah, for sure, I, I can definitely touch upon that a little bit. Um, but even just like, I think it's interesting what you had said in terms of like time in and time out of the market. Cause my thing has always been market efficiency and getting away from the screens. 
so personally for myself and dj will he used to make fun of me he's like i'm paying some guy to trade 30 minutes and then he's nowhere to be found after the fact so <laughs> i definitely relate with you in terms of that yeah and i can't i can't kind of came to love that too because i'm like then there's days when you want to trade a little bit longer and i'm like just no let's just go because i want to go get a massage or something (laughs) (laughs) you just spit out a bunch of whole you know your strategy and kind of all the things that you do and and all that stuff's great but um you know how did you how did you get to that point you know like what was i guess like what was your starting point You, you mentioned youtube but like we've i've gone to youtube myself and it's just like a bunch of random information everywhere like you don't know there's no like rhyme or reason unless you follow like one person or something so kind of just talk about how you built that trading strategy how did you find out that that's what worked for you did you try others and you know hate them or what i tried everything i tried supply and demand tried rsi tried macd i tried everything breakouts breakdowns support resistance plays all that good stuff and after a kind of sense of trial and error, what I did was I asked one of my good friends, Umar Asharov, I got started trading because I was watching his videos. Now I have like his number and I talked to him and it's, it's really cool. You know, he's a very big friend of mine. And he told me that you need to start journaling your trades. Him and also another one of my um, good buddies who's a mentor and kind of Umar always talks about this, right? You need to start journaling your trades and... Through journaling your trades, what it's going to allow you to do is it's going to allow you to find what works for you. So if you're out there, you don't know what you're doing with with your trading, what you should do right now is go over your last three months of trades. You should go over every single once and then go through these kind of requirements. Okay, what time do I take this trade? What time do I take this trade? What time do I take this trade? The trades that I took at this time, what's my success rate? The trades that I took at this time, what's my success rate? The trade that I took at this time, what's my success rate? Okay. The trades that take at 10 a.m. are a lot better than at 9 a.m. So I'm not going to trade any more trades at 9.30 a.m., only 10 a.m. Okay, when I trade zero DTE contracts, I get screwed. But when I trade one day out or two day out, I hold for longer and I make more. Okay, when I trade the indexes, I don't do good. But when I trade Tesla, NVIDIA, Apple, I do good. Okay, when I trade after school, when I'm, I'm feeding to take a trade, I don't do good. But when I trade, when I have time to actually trade and relax, I do better. So those things kind of all added up for me, and I do that every single week. I journal, and I see, kind of just keep adapting to the market. So after I did that, it kind of helped me build a base, and through that, I just adapted to market cycles through journaling and kind of stabilized my trading strategy around journaling, trial and error, backtesting it over and over and over and over again, and obviously allowing myself to adapt and not being set strict on a bias every single day based off journaling. No, it definitely makes sense. I think it's huge. I think everyone should backtest and actually journalize. It's actually, how are you going to notice your strengths and your weaknesses if you're not doing so? So pointing out those kind of things where you're like, yeah, when did you take each trade? How did you do on each trade? And actually giving yourself that critique to grow that's going to be huge in this space because if you're not doing that, then you're kind of just throwing a dart at the wall. And how are you going to improve at those given things if you're not even acknowledging them? So journalizing, absolutely huge. Backtesting your own plays, huge. Even just looking at other people's trades. Why did they take each trade? Right. So let's just say members in the community. The biggest thing that you can do, you already have a mentor by itself, even though they may not be directly a mentor. 
But if they're taking trades and you know that they're successful, why did they take each trade? You don't, exactly. even if they're not responding, analyze it yourself. Nothing is stopping you. You have all the tools necessary at your fingertips. All you have to do is put in the work and it's that simple. Yeah. And that's what's going to differentiate the typical member versus I want to be successful in this space and I want to succeed. Your success in the stock market is not based on the time that you spend in the market, but it's actually based on the time that you spend out of the market preparing and analyzing the data of your trades. I'm a big believer in that. So if you want to make money in the market, you really, it's all about spending your time out the market, you know, preparing yourself to make money. Exactly. Are you guys willing to put in the work? Are you guys willing to actually sit down, look at the screens and say, okay, what did each person do? What can I continue learning? What is volume? What is momentum? What is volatility? And how can I just keep growing in this space? Especially if you say you want it that bad and you say like, oh, I don't want to blow any more accounts. I just want to keep learning. I want to become self-sufficient. Put in the work that's necessary. You have all the tools. The internet is such a vast space to keep learning. There's so much free content out there. We're not telling you to, hey, pick up this person's mastermind, pay for this course, pay for this. Everything is available for you. If you guys want to take that next step, a mentor, absolutely huge. I definitely recommend having a mentor. I personally, I didn't have a mentor. I did have a lot of people I looked up to, which was really good. But having a mentor, and you can hear a lot of my students attest to this, there's nothing greater to just say, like, I have someone to lean back on. I have someone for accountability. I have someone to answer all the questions that I have, right? If that's all at your fingertips, that's amazing. Otherwise, study. Again, the internet is so vast, look stuff up. That's how PB said he got started, right? He was on YouTube. He was looking up all these videos. He was sifting through a lot of that stuff, which is a little bit harder because on YouTube, there's so much information. A lot of it might contradict itself. So you kind of have to go through that testing yourself. But when you do have a mentor, it's kind of like a straight, narrow path where uh, if you like their style of trading and you can actually abide through it, then it's an easy, just smooth sailing path. Yeah, one thousand percent. And like from those videos and taking those courses, I did have like a few mentors, but you can more or less. You don't even have to call them mentors. You can more or less call them just like friends that I ask for advice at times. You know, like I didn't have somebody who I was like texting every single second of the day, showing them my trades, stuff like that. But, you know, I shoot people DMs and ask them questions, and I still talk to those people to this day. So, what's your best trade ever? Best trade ever. Um, I made a little over $10,000 in a single day in class. So, it was pretty cool. It was actually on a zero DTE. I got really lucky, like... Oh, yeah, this is what happened. So my best trade and my worst trade are just because my teacher took my phone, which is kind of crazy. Mm-hmm. Best trade ever. I um, had like 4K or something, 3 or 4K in, or a little less in spy puts. Teacher takes my phone. This is the, all at the same time, both the times. And I come back and Russia and Ukraine are going to war and stuff. And the market crashed like 1.5% and I'm up like $10,000. So that was like crazy. Second one was kind of the opposite. I was in puts, something happened, teacher takes phone, next thing I look at my phone, I'm down a crap ton of money. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, those are that was my best trade ever was actually in the beginning of this year. Uh beginning of last year, the beginning of January of last year. So I wasn't have that deal with my score or anything, so it was kind of harder. But now like I'm consistently, you know, having like 
multiple four-figure days. And I think 2024, my goal is to kind of scale up to the point where those small five-figure days are normal. Do you feel like, yeah, do you feel like psychologically it, it impacts you like whenever you are down, let's say those four-figure days versus when you're up those four-figure days? No, because... It's a part of the game. Like you're not gonna be green every single day, and that's the truth. So, my winner days are usually a, at least double my loser days. So, you know, I I say I win green, win big, win small, lose small. Those are all green days. Small red day is a green day. Let's uh, you know, as much as I've loved hearing you guys talk all this trading jargon you know i want to get to know you a little bit more outside of trading too what what do you what do you like to do outside of trading like what kind of stuff interests you yeah so i work out every single day um i like cars you know i, I really like cars a lot i think ace you have a lambo i swear no, no, i don't oh i saw you post an instagram story so, of a... yeah yeah so we're working if i was to go to florida i was actually going to buy a lambo as well once everything was approved Fortunately, we did hit a little bit of a roadblock, which is why we're on this screen right now. But yeah. uh, it, it, it's in the works. I, I saw that you have a Benz, right? Yeah, yeah. I bought like an AMG. Yeah, so we're, first we're team AMG too. Oh, you have an AMG? I do. That's sick, bro. What kind? Uh, mine's a C43. Nice, nice. So yeah, that, I bought that. And just so you guys know, like obviously, you know, the AMG is a nice car, but you got to view it as my perspective. The AMG is also a marketing tool for me. You know, 16 years old, I bought my own AMG. Let me show you guys how. So it's not all just for show and stuff like that. It's also, you know, marketing and kind of the entrepreneur standpoint. So in my free time, you know, I like to, like I said, I work out. I like to go out with my restaurants, eat, you know, just like the average stuff. I'm a, I play basketball. So I used to play football. We're gonna have another. We're gonna have another one-on-one challenge. Another. Here? We're gonna have another you challenge, challenge over here. Time, yep. So. <laughs> Let's do it. Uh, yep. <laughs> Yeah, play PV, I mean, I know you're a little younger, but if you want your ankles broken, then <laughs> you can hit up a court. <laughs> Let's right, have so a nasty shooter. crossover for you. So we'll get a we'll get another one on one ch- turn or uh, challenge here for charity. I'm if, down. If, yep. uh, if we get, let's say, what um, you want to do, like a give me a retweet number that we retweets get here. Retweets or YouTube. YouTube or retweets. Okay. We'll post it on. We'll post it on Twitter and have have them retweet. What all funds will go to charity, all so right. it's all in good spirits. If this video gets five hundred thousand views and Sheesh. at least ten thousand likes, <laughs> a short form, a short form. <laughs> Man, I think, he, uh, I think he's scared of right, hundred thousand, hundred thousand views, hundred thousand views on YouTube. Yeah. Okay. Well, we got about a thousand on the first one, so I'm dude, you're good. You're good. The no, last podcast. a short form, a short form. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. On, on any of the short forms. There yeah. We go. Twitter. Yeah. Uh, on Twitter, <laughs> 2,500 retweets. <laughs> All right. There we go. I like right. that. All right. If we get that. That's nice. Those numbers. Then uh, what's the wagers here? We got what you want to pop a thousand on on it to charity. Yeah. Loser. Right. Loser pays to the charity of the winner's choice. All right. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. If I win, well, I'm gonna win. So you're probably gonna end up paying a thousand dollars to the Children's Hospital. And then if I win, I'll give $1,000 to whatever you want. There you go. Perfect. I, I love, love it. it. Very cool. Um, all right, so dream car. Um, I think next year it's going to be time to potentially, you know, um, pull the trigger on a Lambo. And as far as, like, my dream car, I love the Ferrari F8 Tributos. Big fan of those. But I'm, like, 
like I know I'm gonna have it. Like I know I'm gonna get it. Like it's like a like in my head, like I know. So as far as like dream car, maybe like a dream garage. Obviously, like you know, a crazy car like a Bugatti would be crazy or something like that. But that's like next level stuff. So for now, dream car, I'll say a Ferrari F8. And um, I'm thinking, you know, get maybe something nice for the summer. We'll see. But I, I love my AMG. I'm a really big fan of AMG. I love G wagons, stuff like that. So um, anything you can write off, baby. Yeah, Let's anything go. you can write off and <laughs> six thousand pounds. Yeah, <laughs> you can actually write it off for marketing too, which is yeah. kind of interesting. Yeah. No, How about you? Cool. What's your dream car? Oh gosh, if you asked me like two months ago, it'd have been different. But now I'm really into the Aston Martin uh, Vantage. Oh, um, those are nice. Oh, really? Vantage. Yeah, no. Where'd you get that idea from? Uh, you. <laughs> I was looking at Aston Martins in Orlando, and uh, they have one in the showroom. And it's just like I walked in, I was just like, my jaw. I was like, that's sexy. Are you gonna pull the trigger? Uh, it's so funny because I'm not even into cars at all. Like whatever gets me from point A to point B, that's all I care for. I've never been into like the whole like flashy and like I love the fact that you even acknowledge like yeah you know what it is for like marketing it is for yeah. all of this right because at the end of the day it's like yeah we enjoy our cars our cars but if we can acknowledge the fact it's like yeah it is a tool as well in terms of how can you keep growing then that's cool too yeah and before- that's why for myself we were looking at the Lambo and I kept telling DJ I'm like man I'm all about humility I don't care <laughs> for a Lambo I don't care for this I don't care to be flashy yeah. but uh, it, it is necessary in our space, so I definitely I appreciate the fact that you even acknowledged it. Yeah, and I I think I do think that before I get anything next or any my next cars, you know, whatever it is, I am gonna have at least one um, rental property. So yeah, a real that's, estate. So you asked if I'm gonna get the Aston Martin, and I like I would like to, um, but I'm you know trying to be responsible with it, you know, and trying to you know I'm a father, so I got to make sure that all my ducks are in a row, but. I'm going to, you know, pay off my mortgage early. I'm going to get a, you know, another, I'm going to get a new house, um, like our forever house. And then, you know, once like, once I feel like I've got my investments in a row, you know, and, and got everything kind of lined up, then I'll, and I have some extra, then I'll start to get some toys and stuff like that. But yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, no, it's cool. It's, uh, it's, it's that stuff it's cool that you're transparent and it's it's that's how we are like with stock dads it's all all about transparency like if i buy a nice car like yeah it's mostly gonna be because i'm gonna use it to market and help grow the business yeah help help more people but it is also fun you know you earn it you earn you deserve it you know you're once you take care of yourself and your family and like you've got things kind of where they need to be there's nothing wrong with enjoying nice things and stuff like that. So I deserve the McLaren P1 is what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, you deserve it. Dude, the goal is there to, go. the goal is to make your stop loss a G Wagon and your take profit a Rolls Royce. <laughs> there you go. There you the go. Future. There you go. <laughs> I like that. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, well cool, man. I, I think uh, you know, it's been really cool getting to know you. I love having you on. Obviously you're a super awesome uh, you know, kid trader young man adult whatever I don't, Thank I don't, you. it's like I, I feel like i'm taught it's weird that i like i'm looking across and i'm like this is not a 16 year old you know what i mean i like, appreciate it but to all the haters he is 16 he's 16 he hasn't guys. been 16 for three years i can tell he is a 16 year old <laughs> but um but when you talk to him you do kind of you know you get to feel that older and more mature aspect so that's really cool and thank you um, and it's been great having you man i appreciate it and to everybody out there like before I head off, I just want to let you guys know that if you have a dream, stop sleeping and leaving your dreams in your dreams. 
If you have a dreams, you truly need to make goals. And within those goals, you need to make a plan. And throughout planning, you have to take action. And with take action, you have to execute. So don't just leave your dreams in the pillow. Truly, you know, get your dreams, make goals, put plans together that you can achieve and start taking action to execute those plans. And that's how you'll start, you know, going forward in life. And don't start, you know, don't procrastinate. Don't say, oh, I'm going to start Monday. Start now. Now is the best time to start. It's no wonder this kid has a hundred especially especially with the new year starting. That's right. He's got all these little quotes, man. He's awesome, dude. All I right, appreciate well, it. I love it. Yeah. yeah, Ace, you got any final thoughts? Well, I think that was awesome advice that you just gave everyone. Gave everyone. Uh, in terms of yourself, what was the most important like advice that you've received that you can relay to everyone now? The most important advice I ever received was. This one's deep, and I think I'm gonna have to go with. Let me really, really think. Okay, yeah. The, the most important advice I ever received was, be genuinely interested. This isn't even about trading. This is about life. When you're talking to somebody, be genuinely interested in with with what they have to say, and your connection with them will go so much farther. I like that. And as far as trading, honestly, like, as far as trading, if you have a passion, then make failure not an option. That's the truth. Make failure not an option in your head. You have to truly make failure not an option, and you won't fail. Yeah, I dig that. I like that. Always add value to others. That's awesome. Yeah. All right, man. Well, it's been great having you. And, uh, again, if you guys are are watching – uh, make sure you throw PB a follow at, at PB Investing. At and, PB Investing, you know, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. Insta- Instagram, Twitter, you know, TikTok, all the fun <laughs> stuff. So, um, But we appreciate you coming out. We'll have you on again in the future and uh, looking forward to watching your journey. Thank you guys so much for having me. I had a great for time. Sure. Awesome. Thank Peace. you, PB. I can't wait to break your ankles. <laughs> Peace. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Stocks and Sandals podcast. If you like our show, you can support us by subscribing, leaving a five-star review, following our socials, and joining our community on Discord. But most importantly, remember this. Don't touch the thermostat.